back to the Startup Stories podcast. I am your host, Tom Callahan. Today, I am speaking with Dylan Barber, who is a co-founder advisor based in San Diego, California. Dylan, how are we doing this afternoon? And tell us a little bit about Visor. All good, man. Just uh, I just got back from my honeymoon. Yes. Got married. I don't know if <laughs> people will see this, but I got my little <laughs> ring on. Um, but no, things are great. So Visor's changed a lot. We've been working on it for the last five and a half years. We started the company as a fitness app. So the whole goal was really just to help people develop healthier habits. My cousin and I started the company. We moved to San Diego, partnered with a bunch of local restaurants. But the concept was you could work out, donate meals to charity, accumulate points, and then spend them for free products at restaurants. We spent the first two years uh, building up as many local restaurant partnerships as possible. And then we launched nationwide with, you know, True Food Kitchen, Takaya, Lunar Grill, Flower Child, Juice Press, like big multi-location concepts, March, I want to say March 13th in 2020. And then five days later, every restaurant in America shut down because of COVID. So it was pretty terrible timing. Like the business essentially, I mean, somewhat turned off overnight uh, as plenty did. And we just started chatting with a few friends in in the food industry and CPG, which is consumer packaged goods. Mm-hmm. So it's like a Chobani, Vita Coco, like those are consumer packaged goods companies. But we live next door to Chosen Foods, it's avocado oil brands. We got connected to Purely Elizabeth and also to Chobani. And I just kind of asked them, like, what's something we could work on for you right now? And the number one thing that they all said was if you could figure out a way to send people into grocery stores, that's what we're most interested in. So we rolled out an integration with Walmart in June of last year, where consumers could work out, donate meals, and go get free products at Walmart. Mm -hmm. The way we did that was through a single-use barcode. Uh, And this concept was still super early in the space. Generally, all couponing is done on paper. And when we rolled out the single-use barcode integration, every brand we talked to is like, hey, we love the app, but can we actually just buy the barcodes from you? So they put them mm-hmm. on paid ads, emails, influencer campaigns, you name it, any digital channel. Um, and that's really become the lion's share of the business. So I'm not sure I would say it's a pivot, but it's definitely a large, yeah. large portion. <laughs> like 95% of it, I would say now is this like somewhat pseudo couponing concept. Um, so we've just been drinking from a fire hose the last nine months, bringing this to life, getting it up and running. And the, and the traction's been exciting. and We've grown the team now to 15 full time and it's just been, it's been awesome, but it's, it's so different. I always say we've, I feel like we've run three different companies in the last five years. Totally. I think, and I think that's super common with startups. It's like, you know, companies just, you start doing one thing and you realize like, Hey, this actually, this is, this is fine, but like we can make way more money doing this, or this is a much more viable long-term product. Um, and this is what our users and clients actually want so let's pivot and you know assuming we can get more business that way yeah that's that's what i tell whenever like we chat with other founders and like early stages uh on the tech side of things or even like and in any like business like whether it's a physical product like just ask who like just ask your customer your potential customer what they actually want and what their problems are they're more than happy to tell you because they want them fixed Mm-hmm. And so they'll tell you exactly what they want, what they would pay for. Obviously, you got to do a little, you know, digging and reading between the lines and things like that. But it's it's the surefire way to actually figure out, like, are you solving a, a problem that people can pay for, i.e. like, are you actually building a business or is it just 
you know, kind of like a, a trend at that point in time. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, very common, like for just like salespeople in general, it's like, rather than trying to like, you, like you as the salesperson, try and just like pitch your product without knowing like what, what it's going to help. It's like, ask the clients like, yeah, what, what is your biggest pain point here? Where can, you know, how would you, how can I make your life personally easier and help your company make more money? Uh, Cause ultimately that's what people's jobs are is to make companies money. Um, and just like at, asking that question is just a huge elephant in the room. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely the best way to do it. Um, we, we start out all of our, all of our brand conversations with just like a quick overview of us, but then just mm -hmm. immediately dive into questions like, Hey, are yeah. you experiencing this? Like, how are you doing this? This is how we fit in. Great. Like we never want to be the most salesy people ever. I just like, personally, I'm not like that. And I don't think a lot of the folks at our company are like that, mm -hmm. which, which I think is like refreshing, like constantly, whether, whether it's business you're being sold to, or whether you're just on social media, like, everybody today is being sold to 24 seven. And yep. I just think people are over it. And so we try to be as transparent as possible. It's like, this is what we do. Here's the problem we solve. I think it, I think you guys are experiencing, experiencing this. Like let's, let's work together on making it better. Like just try to make it as simple as possible. Yeah. It's uh yeah, there's, it's just sales. There's sales in every single conversation you have, like in your day to day and you don't even realize it. Um, I just finished reading a book called like to sell as human and that it just goes over like, yeah, there's, you know, there's a sale, you know, there's salesperson titles. Uh, and you typically like, if you're a salesperson, you go like, Oh, there's like schmoozy, like slicked back hair guy that sucks to talk to and very like used car <laughs> salesman. -y. Uh, but it's like, even, it's like, man, you got to sell your wife on like where you want to go to dinner one night or, you know, you, you know, from an internal standpoint, it's like, you got to sell the accounting team to, you know, garner more budget for this sort of project or things like that. It's like, there's, it's not just selling like, you know, business to business or business to consumer, uh, you know, yeah. there's so much internal that happens and literally every conversation you have is like a and, chance to sell. And, and I'm not a salesperson. So that's like a learned skill. Um, I, I mean, I was an English major in college. I worked in investment banking and then wealth management. So just like not my strong suit, but it just comes from a lot of conversations. It comes from being transparent, asking questions. But then also I think there's just some amazing books out there that you can read, like never split the difference. I think it was a yep. big, was a big game changer for me just from like a confidence standpoint, asking for what you want being able to just like hold your own in conversations and things like that. So I think everybody should read that book. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it just comes from reps. It's like one of those things that it sucks in the beginning. Like it's yeah. actually so brutal during COVID. I remember I was just getting kicked in my teeth every single day. And then now it's like, okay, like we feel it. it you just got to let it. It's like, what, what is it saying? Like water off a duck's back or something. You just kind of roll with it. And it's yeah. purely a numbers game. The second you realize that, like, okay, if I pitch a hundred people, I'm going to get X number of yeses and X and Y number of no's. And you can back into like what your strategy should be from there. Totally. I think like having that data around it and tracking everything is like super key, especially early on, because it's like, yeah, you're like, if you get a 2% yes rate, it's like, that's, that's good. Like that is, you know, depending on what you're selling or what you're trying to get out there, um, you know, that's, that's just how you got to do it. It's like to reach out to, to get, you know, $60,000 in new business next month, I need to reach out to 500 people, you know, the previous month, and that will turn into, you know, 
six new clients at $10,000 a piece. So that's like, yeah. that's the numbers that I need to hit or my sales team needs to hit and, and make sure like you stick to it. Um, and sometimes it's going to be more than that. Sometimes it's going to be less than that. And, you know, hopefully it averages out in the end. Um, and yeah, you know, I know you mentioned like getting into like with Walmart, like that's a huge deal. Um, you know, that I think is for, you know, I know at least from the, from like the retail side of things, like when a brand gets into Walmart, like that is like, a huge goal um so because it's like there's walmarts everywhere and like people will go there and people will buy it um or else walmart probably wouldn't have you know taken the time and put in the energy to like get it on their shelves um so what was that experience like i mean it's like probably doesn't happen overnight uh or even in the course of like a few weeks like what did what kind of led to to that shift i know you mentioned your uh, you know, like your customers and clients, like wanting to just get like those digital one, one-time use barcodes, but um, for Walmart and specifically, as opposed to like a, like a Safeway or a Kroger or, you know, something like that, like what had, what was kind of that leap or are you in with, you know, those other larger grocery chains? Yeah. So we're, we're now have access to all of those grocery chains that you mentioned. Cool. Um, a lot of the conventional doors, you're correct in that these things move super slow. And so it took us a few years. Like when we, we really wanted to start doing this, I think mid to end of, uh, well, it was early 2020 that we were like, Hey, this would be cool if you could go to Whole Foods and you could mm -hmm. just get a free thing at Chobani. Right. So then it took us two years to really figure that out and then launch it. Um, and then from there, it, it's just like, once you get one, a lot of folks just kind of follow suit. And so mm -hmm. we're lucky that, that we work with an amazing company that's, that's helped us kind of build it into what it is today with all of these retailers. And the, the, the excitement is there, the, it's super fun, but there's just so much, it's just such a different experience working with a, a CPG brand that does $10 million a year. It's super nimble, lightweight. You can just like ideate and create things super quickly. But when you're working with these larger companies, I mean, it's approval after approval after approval, and then it takes six months and then approvals. And then it's, it's just insane. But right. once you're, once you're in, it's so far, I mean, we've had nothing but, but a great experience working with all these people. So, but, but that right. there was a ton, a ton of excitement there when, when all of this started to like come to life. Yeah, it makes you take like a, you know, a longer term outlook into where the company can be, um, especially, you know, when dealing with, yeah, a, a behemoth like Walmart. And, you know, I guess backtracking a little bit, like, you know, you're, you know, you mentioned go, you're in business with your cousin as your co-founder. Um, how did this kind of come to be? Like, like, you know, where did you guys feel like you were going to like, hey, we can work well together and create, you know, create this new idea and there's this market fit uh, for it. And um, let's launch on, you know, the, the worst day of the year to, to of COVID and, uh, you know, but like, ha, you know, what have been like the great things of working with like a family member? Uh, and then what have, you know, I'm sure there's some, some bickering that happens as with, you know, with any co-founders, like there's going to be some differences that you need to, to figure out and hash out together, especially a family member. Um, but you know, what has your experience been like through that? Yeah, it's, it's been honestly pretty awesome. Um, so Sam had the original idea for the fitness app concept in 2017, maybe 2017, I think. And we started chatting about it in 2018. And I was like, you know what? I love this. I was at Morgan Stanley at the time. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so I quit my job, moved to San Diego, and that's when we kind of just kicked it off in 2018. And from there, it was just like fish out of water. We're just trying to figure everything out, right? And it's great because it's 24-7, especially in those early stages. Like, yeah. I, I think it's definitely like work-life balance has gotten way better now. But in the early stages, I mean, you're just, you're staying up till 2, 3, 3 a.m., chatting, coming up with ideas, writing things out, like just researching in general. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine doing that by myself or even with like a friend of mine. Like I just yeah. like, I don't know how folks do it without working with their family. Um, And then fast forward to today, there's just like so much trust. And like, I understand, like she's going to handle this side. I'm going to handle this side. Like I have no kind of fears around that. I would say the downside is like, we are families. So we spend so much time together that it's just like, it's hard to like, just stop talking about work. Like it always right. just comes up, um, which I think is a good thing. Cause to be five and a half years in and be just as, if not more passionate about it, I think is like an amazing sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, I, I couldn't imagine one doing it by myself and then two, like having somebody that wasn't Sam. So I, I think it's been amazing. Yeah. You know, having someone to like bounce ideas off of and under, it's like, they, you know, complimenting each other on, Hey, I'm good at this. You're good at this. Let's focus on these things rather than one of us spend four days trying to figure out a problem when the other person could have figured it out in four minutes. Um, we, we, we are polar opposites, which is great. <laughs> I think it works. Sense. Yeah. yeah. Like, like I'm more like profits, pricing business how do we make mm-hmm. money minded and she's like more vision branding people management stuff like that so it's it's a perfect compliment i would say yeah i think those are two you know that along with like a technical like a founder is like the, the key things you get the visionary and then you get the person that puts all those you know crazy ideas and can bring them to life and be like hey this actually doesn't make any money i don't think this is a good idea for a business uh unless we're going into nonprofit space and figure it out but then yeah like the analytics versus like the the creators and the dreamers essentially um yeah you know have a little yin and yang um for sure and And we we aren't technical so yeah we we hired a CTO, which has been a lifesaver. We have technical advisors. We did teach ourselves how to design like the actual like screens for the app mm-hmm. when we were doing that and the websites. That's all done through like Figma and and stuff like that, which like we make everyone at the company just do something in Figma. I think it's the greatest thing cool. on earth. It's such a good skill just to like know how to use it. So if you need to build something really quick. So uh, yeah. and for people who don't know, Figma is like, a, it, it's like, I don't know. It's like Photoshop and what's the Apple version? There's an Apple uh, version. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I don't know the Apple version, but I know it's Figma. Not Keynote, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Figma's the best. I mean, yeah. if you need to do any d- designs, like Figma's the best. Right. I think it's like Figma has totally replaced like Adobe Acrobat uh, as like Acrobat. The Photoshop. What, yeah. yeah, and yeah, um, yeah that's. Uh, I, th- I think it's great. You know, being able, especially, do what you can early, and then like you know, when it's time to hire someone that can really take your, you know, take your foundation to the next level and make it, you know, super technical and have, you know, code written rather than just like a WordPress website or something like that. It makes it, um, you know, a lot more scalable in the future and secure and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, that's, that's a hard thing to know too, when, when to hire. Um, because I think like everybody thinks the problem could be solved if we just hire somebody else. 
yeah. when in reality, like there could just be, it could be a plethora of other things. Like there could be a ton of inefficiencies in that process that if you could just simplify it, it would all be amazing. And you maybe need less people or maybe mm-hmm. like what you're trying to do actually just like, isn't a good idea. So don't even hire for that person or the company's not ready for that yet. Like, so that that's definitely a hard thing to figure out. I, I would like, I like to think that we've done a good job about that. I mean, like I said, five and a half years and I think only two people have left, I want to say. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been super fun, but all that stuff, like, I mean, I was, I tell my, my wife this now, like no one teaches you any of this, like your first time, like there's no classes, there's no, like, it's all just on the fly. So people who think, or who put off the aura that they like know what they're doing. Like nobody knows what they're doing. No, everyone's figuring it out along the way. And it's like, you can only read so many books and take so many classes before you actually have to do it. You just have to do it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like the best experience. I know from, from my experience, like you know, I started as a company as like employee number one and watched it grow and watched like the, you know, the, you ride the roller coaster for sure, but you know, ultimately you're committed to it and you want to see the success come from it. Yeah. You do stuff that you don't know how to do or that you're not trained in because it's like, well, if I don't do this, then the company's going under. So someone's got to yeah. do it. And we don't have the money to hire for that right now. Uh, and, you know, with with hiring, like uh, always like always tough, especially when you're so early on and, and like those first few hires are like so drastically important. Um, you know, are most of your hires is it a lot of full-time people or contract uh, type workers? And what was kind of the deciding factor to, you know, like, hey, we need we need someone full-time 40 hours plus a week versus like, hey, we need someone for a four-month project to get something up and running. But then we probably don't, you know, have room on the, the payroll for, for them after that. And, you know, there's pros and cons to both, obviously. Yeah, we do like 90% of our hires a contract to hire. So you start out as a contractor. Cool. You're doing some hourly work, some projects and things like that for a couple months. And then from Mm -hmm. there, we make the decision whether to bring somebody on full time. Um, I think that's the best way to do it. It's kind of like a, if the person can hold it out for a month or two, I think it works for everybody. Um, So that that's, has been our strategy. And I think it's been really good. Um, but yeah, outside of that, we use contractors here and there. I would say less now. I'd be curious, like what we could use a contractor for that would make our lives easier right now. Um, but all of our tech is in-house sales in-house marketing in-house, all that stuff. So yeah, contract to hire has been, has been amazing. Yeah, I think it gives it, you know, it's like a, it's like a little trial period and it gives both both like the employee and the employer like an out. If it's not working, it's like, hey, my two month or three month contract is is over. I did not enjoy my time here for whatever reasons or like, hey, you know what you did? You did this work, but I don't think it's you know, it's really not what we're looking for. And a lot of stuff that just can't get hashed out in, you know, an interview process. Um, you know, you can, you can think after a full, full round of interviews that the person's going to be perfect, but in reality, nobody really knows how someone is going to fit in with a new company. Um, it's, it's so hard. Uh, it's so funny when I was <clears throat> interviewing for jobs outside of college, I would interview for every position at like literally any of the banks that I was interested in. Yeah. And I would just change my answers <laughs> to fit in yeah. with what, 
the role the culture is and like yeah and, and there was just no way i was like actually a good fit for a lot of those and i always think of that when we interview people i'm like okay is this person just like telling us what we want to hear or is this how they actually operate and you don't really know until you kind of like get in the trenches a little bit with them so that's always something you got to kind of juggle right there's always like that there's always that era era of uh bullshit that is going to be happening in interviews and it's like it comes from both sides you know you oversell that you overhype the company and sell it like super hard and then you know the candidates got to sell themselves and eventually it's like well that's why so many interview process aren't just like one interview like you gotta you gotta speak to multiple people you gotta speak to like people in different departments outside of your own i think it's so i think that's so underrated is like having a software engineer speak with someone in marketing it's like is this person like when they have to explain technical problems to a non-technical person, like, are they an asshole or are they, you know, do they have the patience to like, to work with someone else on it so that the company as a whole, especially a small startup, like it's so important to like inner inner department communication and making sure everyone's on the same page to get the company where they need to go. Um, yeah. And it's hard it's to great. do that remote too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are you guys fully remote company or do you have, you know, a hub in San Diego? We're, we're fully remote, but I would say 95% of the team is in San Diego. So okay. like we will see each other kind of whenever. Yeah. And it's good for, you know, culture. If you want to get together, you know, a couple times a year and do that, and, you know, see each other around town, I'm sure is, is nice to have, but kind of like the, the benefits of both, um, yeah. you know, and especially San Diego really fits the, you know, the lifestyle of what your company is doing. So, um, you know, it's very it's best. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not a bad place to live. So, um, and, you know, alongside, you know, not only with Visor, but, you know, you've, uh, you know, you've been doing some venture capital, like early stage venture stuff on the side and investing, um, you know, some of your own money, like what, what brought you into that? Obviously, you know, you come from the investment banking and finance world coming off of Wall Street, um, have some inkling of that, um, you know, being an analyst over there and then coming starting your own thing like how did that come to be um you know what sort of how did you get started with capital um and you know yeah. what are the you know investing in what you know in i guess it, it sort of looks like a lot of cpg type brands so yeah pretty much all cpg except for one tech company which isn't on the website just because i felt like it didn't really didn't really fit but we did yeah. one tech company um that that's super it's a super interesting process i mean i think i've always been in interested in it obviously like i worked in finance and one test away from being a cfa so i probably should do that at some point so I'm, it's interesting um and i also just like physical products more than tech like i just i just i don't know there's just something about it i just like it more like cpg is just like fun and i think people are interesting uh is it a good business to invest in i mean somewhat like <laughs> it's <laughs> It's like 30% margins. Like, so it's right. definitely, a, it's a volume game at the end of the day. That's kind of the, the, the premise, but basically we, when I was on the bachelor built up social following, I was doing influencer kind of partnerships where you get, you know, $20,000 to do this and they pay you all at once and you just get the money, which, which is honestly, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and at the time we were talking with a lot of, early stage brands, just in general, just meeting founders as they've been in companies and they're like, Hey, you know, we're closing out around, but after that, we'd love to chat about working with Visor. And mm -hmm. there were just, a, there, there were a few, the first one is Babe Kombucha, which is here in San Diego that I was just like, 
I really like you. I like the product. Like I'd love to just be on the team somehow. So like yeah. I, I always, when, when we, when I invest in a company, I give them two options. Essentially. One is like, I'm happy to invest and just like do nothing. Yeah. Or I'll invest and you can use me as a resource. Like call me whenever I'll make intros, whenever I'll post about it, whenever you just need to like, just let me know. And I always like that one better. Cause I just like to be involved and I think I can help, but <laughs> it really depends. Um, but once, once I did the first few, then it kind of just like snowballed a little bit. And if you make it, if you make people aware, like anybody could do this. Like if you make people aware that like, Hey, I want to invest in early stage companies, like people will find you brands will find you. Right. Um, and so from there, I think the first year, 2020, I did like maybe three, maybe four. And then 2021, I maybe did like two or three and then 22 somewhere in the range of like eight or nine, like I did yeah. a ton. Um, Money was still pretty cheap back then too. Yeah. You, like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I did a ton then and anywhere from like pre-seed to series A, I did a brand's like the largest brand in revenue per year that we invested in was like 30 million per year, which is like pretty high. Honestly, I don't know if I would yeah. do that again. Um, but generally it's one to 3 million a year okay. is a vast majority of the brands that we invested in. So it's like, it's the long game. Like we're not going to see any returns for probably another three to five years right. for a lot of these. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Jury's still out. If it was a good call, uh, they could all go to zero and I could be a, an idiot or <laughs> a few of them or a few of them could, could do really well. I think a few will do really well. So I'm, I'm excited about it, but it's, it's also just a huge learning experience for me and I get access to the founder and to their team. And if I have questions about stuff in general, like whether it's my business, cause we work with these types of brands or mm -hmm. if I just have questions about CPG in general, it's just fun to like be in that kind of network. Totally. Yeah. You know, it, it allows, and you learn from the mistakes of like, you know, your, your failures versus your six, you know, successful companies. It's like not every single company you invest in is going to be successful. Probably not even, you know, the majority of them are going to be successful, yeah. but you know, the, the pro or the wins out, you know, the money you can make from the ones that won will, you know, negate the, you know, the losses hopefully. you made. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully put yeah, more money hopefully. in the, in the ones that make, you know, you know, have a, a higher exit, uh, but that's early stage, you know, it's super risky. So yeah. Uh, next, but, next time I'm going to do it. I'll do a, probably another round again at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have valuation limits. I'm going to invest the same amount every time instead of like, Oh, okay. I'll do 20 grand in this one and right. 10 grand in this one. Like, so I just keep like a very standardized process. That's what I would do the second go around. Um, but it's also cool because a lot of them are in different stages now. Like some grow faster than others. And, and let's say, you know, we invest in two companies. One's at 1 million, the other's at 2 million. A year from now, one's at 7 million. The other one's 3 million. The 7 million one has gone through so much more already that like, I can just tell the 2 million one, like, Hey, this is kind of some things that they ran into just like, right. Be a heads up. That kind of, that type of stuff I think is really fun and like interesting yeah. that you just get to see the full kind of spread of everything all at once. Um, 
but I mean, I love it. I, it's just like the best, I think just consumer packaged goods in general is the best industry. Everybody's young, fun, friendly, smart, driven. Like it's, it's a great, it's a great industry. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about like a physical product versus like selling, you know, SaaS, um, you know, software, um, yeah. you know, it's just like you could, you, which is, you know, a vast majority of the tech industry, especially up in the Bay area. But you know, what I've seen Southern California definitely has more of like, Hey, we want something we can touch and see versus like, yeah, yeah we just did this API that will make your life so much easier. And, but you don't really know what is going on back there, but you know, you need it. Um, but backing up on that a little bit, I know you mentioned, you know, uh, you know, from your time on The Bachelor, um, what was that like? Like, how did you get involved with, I know you're on, you're on The Bachelorette and then Bachelor in Paradise after that, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And then, back to back. So how did you, how, what made you kind of go out there? You're a strikingly good looking guy, obviously. So, uh, you know, was Thank that you, something like you have to, <laughs> you had to pursue on your own or, you know. I, I don't really, I know how Hollywood works a lot of times uh, in the reality TV sector, but um, how do, you know, how did you fall into that and what made you kind of pursue that decision? And, you know, obviously, you know, sounds like, you know, you've had great success. You met your wife from there. Um, like it's a pretty, pretty cool story that I think a lot of people don't really understand how this, how people get there. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was super, super random. I mean, I, was on vacation with my family and I got a message on Instagram just asking if I wanted to like interview for it. And I mm -hmm. thought it was a joke and I was like, no, nah, I'm not really interested. Like, thank you, but no, thank you kind of thing. And I was telling my mom about it and she was like, well, I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen if you were to do something like this? Uh, she, her, her quote is it's, it's nice to be invited to the prom, even if they don't take you. And I was like, yeah, thanks mom. That was, I wasn't very, <laughs> I'm like, they're, I'm sure they're going to love me. She's like, eh, you know, I don't know. Uh, and so I went through the interviewing process and I was going to go on a trip with my best friend in February. We were going to like go to Europe together. I'd plan, I'd plan this whole trip. Like, uh, I don't know if you met it was Bryce. I don't know if you've ever met him, but yeah, we, we we're going to go to like Amsterdam and Paris and all just like super fun boys trip. And a couple days before we were, we were like planning to go, they like called me and they're like, Hey, you're on the show. You need to be here in like three weeks. And I was like, Holy shit. So from, from there, it just all happened very quickly. Like we started filming in March. I was home, like, I don't know, end of April, maybe mm -hmm. early May. And then 30 days later, we're back in Mexico doing Gotcha in Paradise. And then that, and there's no break really in between. So there wasn't yeah. like a time where I could like, I just didn't understand how big of a show it was at the time because totally. my season was still airing and I was already in Mexico filming Bachelor in Paradise. So there was no break there. When we got engaged and I came home, like a week after we finished filming, that's when I was like, oh, wait, this is, this actually is like a pretty big deal. And then the night the first episode aired, that's when I was like, oh, okay, things are like definitely going to be different now, which was mm -hmm. pretty shocking. I mean, I, I tell stories of times where I, the first episode airing, it's like four o'clock or, or it's 
4.50. It airs at 5 p.m., which is 8 p.m. on the East Coast. So yeah. it's 8 p.m. It airs at 8 West Coast, but it airs at 8 East Coast. So there's a first, oh. they see it early. So I put my phone away. It was 5 o'clock. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go take an F45 class. Take the F45 class, come out. So the show's been airing for an hour on the East Coast. Open up my phone. I like had, I don't know, I think I had like an extra 100,000 followers cool. on Instagram. I was trending on Twitter as like the banner photo. And I was just like, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so from, and, and yeah, it was really life-changing. And, and from there, it just like has been nothing but amazing. Um, like we got married and we've got to do so many cool things. So I loved it. It's just like, it was just a completely for night. I mean, it was really, if you think about it, I don't know. A few months of work, six, 60 days, 75 days, yeah. something like that to do both. And, and it was, and my like intentions of going on were just like, this is a once in a lifetime experience. Like, I just wonder what, I wonder what could happen. Yeah. And, and it ended up, it ended up working out, but like, I'm was working on visor before going the second I got back, it was back to work for visor. So it's never really been like a, Oh, I'm going to go be an influencer kind of thing right which, yeah i just don't know what i would do with myself if i don't think i would have the wherewithal like hannah's she started her own business and her own brand and all this stuff like i don't know if i'd be able to do that i think i would i would just be messing around the whole time so it's it's probably good that yeah i'm preoccupied <laughs> and it sounds like you know from the you know with this social media following you know you're you're now you know you get you can get paid by brands to go you know plug something or, or show something and, you know, being able to take that money and put it back into investments rather than just like getting a 20 grand check and buying uh, a Rolex is like, yeah, cool. Like maybe a good investment, but probably not as good as, you know, hopefully investing in some, you know, pre-seed companies with yeah, a Rolex I'm, on though too. With a Rolex on, of course. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so we'll, yeah, we'll see. I mean, who knows? Maybe it was a good decision. Maybe it wasn't. I mean, I just think in general, like I viewed it as, getting an MBA and a crash course and a lot of things that I wouldn't have been able to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and like now when it comes to the the deals and stuff, being a lot more selective and trying to be as like authentic as possible, like things that I actually like um, is something I'm trying to work on. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was an insane experience. I mean, it really changed my life. Um, we don't go out that much like Hannah and I, I would say, like we're usually at home or we go to dinner and, you know, maybe one Come night on. we'll go out to like a bar or something. But when we go out to like a major area, like go out in LA or in New York, yeah. something like that, then it, it, you just like get reminded, like people want to take photos and, come say right. hello and it's like, oh, sh I forgot, like this is actually a thing. Because the vast majority of the time we're just hanging out at home. Right. Live a pretty normal, a normal life. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's good. It's like having that balance, not letting it get to your head so much. But then, you know, when it when it does come out, it's like, hey, like, you know, you want to make sure your the public perception of you still doesn't come out as like, you know, oh, Dylan's an asshole. Let's tear this company. Let's tear his company down. It's like, oh, he was actually a really <laughs> good guy. We should actually support him even more. Um, I, that was the fear. That was the yeah. fear was like, we were like, well, what is the realistic risk reward here? Uh of going on the show and like the realistic is it's way riskier to go on and come off looking bad 
than it is to actually go on and get married. Like the odds of that happening are just so low. And Mm -hmm. so, and it ended up happening, which was amazing, but that was definitely a fear for, for Sam in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it's gotta be. It's like, Oh man, here's my, here's my younger cousin. Uh, going on, going on this TV show, hopefully doesn't make an ass of himself on national television. Uh, and yeah, but like you said, it's like, you know, it's, it, it all worked out and yeah, you, you know, you got married a couple of weeks ago. So it's like, it's uh, hopefully, hopefully everything continues to go well with both the business and the personal life. And then, you know, the, the extra money that comes in and helps keep funding the, you know, the venture fund um, is a great life you've kind of built for yourself, you know, both for taking risks, honestly, is kind of the big thing is seems like the central theme, like leaving the bank, leaving a, you know, stable job at Morgan Stanley and, you know, coming to start, you know, get into the startup world. And then as well as just taking a shot, it's like, Hey, what's the worst that can happen if I go on this TV show? Um, the best that can happen is probably what happened to you. <laughs> um, so yeah, literally. Uh, yeah. Um, I love it. It's a, it's a cool story and yeah, definitely something it's like, I, you know, been able to, you know, I've been, we've been following each other for, for years. So I've seen it like see kind of stuff unfold and it's always nice seeing people like grow up, like people, you know, from like your late teens and twenties, <laughs> it's like, Wow, they, you know what? They're actually doing pretty cool stuff. Uh, <laughs> pretty unbelievable sometimes. Yeah, dude, it's it's been it's been super, and thank you for that. It's been it's been pretty awesome. But like, kind of like what you were saying in the beginning, the the hard part is the wave. Like when you work at a startup, the wins are just like the greatest. It's like the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like when you get oh, yeah. a big win, it's you're just like, oh my god, we're actually changing the world. We're changing lives. And then you get any type of loss and you're just like, it's over. This is the worst day of my life. Like we're going out of business. I just wasted five years. Like that's the hardest part I would say right now for us is just like, how can we start to stabilize our emotions? It's all personal things, but like, how can we start to stabilize that? Because if you like get into that habit, one, I think you'll burn out. But then two, if you like, feel like your back's against the wall and you operate from a place of like scarcity. And this is something I'm trying to work on. Literally, like I just came back from my vacation. It was all I was thinking about. If you operate from a place of like scarcity, you're just going to make like bad short-sighted decisions and compromise things and put yourself in a hole that will take even longer to get out of. And so like, I would say my one advice is try to be like even keel a little bit, like definitely celebrate the, the wins, but like, just keep it, you know, be realistic. It's, it is, it is truly a marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then also just like, don't operate from a place of scarcity. I just think that's where you get yourself into trouble. Yeah. I think it's like, you know, when, when, when good things are happening, it's like, Hey, yeah, definitely celebrate it. Builds morale. It keeps, keeps momentum going, but understand like, Hey, this probably isn't going to last forever. Let's make sure, you know, when times do get tough that we have the, you know, we have the capital ready to go or we have, you know, something new coming in. Um, it's, yeah, it's tough running a small business. Um, you know, you just, especially in a market like this in the tech, in the tech world, it's just like, it's very unknown. Um, and, you know, interest rates being high affect everything uh, as we've, as we've, as yeah. we've seen. Um, but no, I love it and did definitely good, like lessons for people that are in the same spot and like working with smaller, smaller companies. Um, and you know, for you, like, you know, what else is, what else is going on that you're really excited for, you know, coming up at the end of 2023 or in the, in the short term, long term, like, 
Um, what is kind of, what do you feel is most exciting for you in the, in the future? And what are you like, oh man, like this is going to come up in probably a year or two years <laughs> from now and this is going to suck, but it's going to make, make life better or make, you know, the company better, things like that. Yeah. I, I mean, personally, obviously enjoying married life, freshly, freshly yeah. uh, married. So enjoy that. I, I think what I'm excited about is we're taking a big leap in terms of the types of folks that we're working with, which is like super exciting. Like it's blue chip, like top tier type type people, which I'm it's like, okay, we're like now in the big leagues a little bit. Like let's, this is starting to really like snowball and, and move forward. Yeah. And then I think the the stressful part is like, okay, well now you can't mess up. So right. <laughs> that's, that's like the, that's, that's the, I guess like the give and take there is like, all right, like we've, we've made it to this point, but now it's, if we do, it's like, if we mess up and we're working with a $5 million a year brand, like people are a lot more forgiving. It's start, we're both startups. They get it. We can move quickly to remedy the problem. Yeah. If we're working with a, I don't know, $50 billion a year brand, you can't mess up. Right. <laughs> At least that's my current feeling. I could be wrong. They could be amazing and totally understanding. I'm not sure. We just haven't worked with them. But my initial, my initial, uh, I guess, thought is like, okay, now we've really got to, you know, be on our P's and Q's a little bit. Yeah, it's like, you know, the, the scalability happens and you're like, you know, rather than dealing with, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you're, you know, dealing with hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's like, whoa, that's, you know, that's pretty drastic difference that could affect a, you know, affect a stock price, affect an entire company or, or something like that. Yeah. If, if things go awry. Sam, Sam used to say, she's like, the bigger we get, the bigger our problems get. And I remember yep. being like, you are so dumb. Like that is just not true. <laughs> I was like, when we start getting more money, it's going to be so much easier. And she's like, I think you actually don't understand how this works. And this was like four years ago. And now that we're in this position, I'm like, ah, yeah, that is kind of, that is kind of yeah. how it works. So, it truly is like more money, more problems. And like, you know, as you start scaling your team, it's like, you have more, you're responsible for people's jobs. You know, it's like, it's, uh, it's not a easy task. <laughs> when you're yeah that's people. that'll be that's another thing that i definitely want to try and work on in 24 is like i do a vast majority of the sales at the company and so that's my number one focus it's not really mm -hmm. interfacing with anybody else i'm just like this is yeah. what i need to do i need to do this like you go do whatever you want kind of thing i think next year creating a structure to where i don't have to do that and i can actually like start to work one-on-one -on -one with a lot of people mm -hmm. i just think it, it, it will end up being i think really fruitful down the line and so that's like another thing that i definitely want to work on but just like in the meantime it's bullets are flying how can we shoot back kind of thing yeah uh, so I, i'm hopeful next year I'll, I'll be able to to do that yeah no i think it's uh it's exciting and it's always scary and fun, but having like, it's like you said, like keep a pretty, keep a pretty level head and just like take the good with the, with the bad and understand like, you know, it's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies. And sometimes you gotta, you know, put your head down and just like get through, get through some, some sludge. Um, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, dude. I, I'm, I'm pumped, man. So thank you for, yeah. thanks for having me on.
Yeah, absolutely. Dylan, where can people find you? Where can people find Visor? Um, plug away. Yeah, Visor, just general info is uh, join Visor. Visor spelled V-I-Z-E-R. Uh, joinvisor.com slash velocity. And that's like our core product right now. Um, and then everywhere else for me, like Instagram's Dylan Barber is my name. LinkedIn, same thing. Uh, Twitter, which is like probably my more business kind of social media is I think the the real DB Coop, like DB Cooper. <laughs> nice. uh, so yeah, but I mean, if you just look up Dylan Barber, I'm sure it'll all, it'll all pop up. And I'm, I'm cool. very responsive on social media too. So people have like questions or anything. <laughs> yeah, I can attest to that. I've had plenty of conversations with Dylan over social media as well. And I'll link all those <laughs> in the uh, about section of this episode. But uh, Dylan, great conversation. I appreciate you jumping on and going over, you know, Visor, your life and, and kind of what's, what's in store for the future. And hopefully the honeymoon phase continues to uh, bring good things uh, to life. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely.